0: So, I, here, here's my question for you today. Do you remember the first time you had to cut off a relationship, like like a friendship? Like, the first time you were like, I, I can't have this in my life anymore. For many of you, it was like petty. Like, it was like, they like the same guy or girl that I like, and you're like, forget you. Or maybe they talk some trash behind your back or something like that. Like, I, I still remember the first time, like, I had to cut off a friendship, kind of a friendship, but a relationship was, I was in ninth grade, and... um. A new high school, all that kind of stuff. And my high school was kind of big, so we had, I think, like four lunches. And so I had a lunch that none of my friends had, and I knew no one in it except for these two guys that I kind of knew from middle school and were not great guys. Were not people that I ever hung out with. Um, I was pretty sure, like, they did a lot of drugs and all that kind of stuff, but I knew them. And I was afraid because I was told my entire middle school career that when you go to high school, if you look at somebody the wrong way, you'll get punched in the face. If you step on somebody's shoes, you'll get punched in the face. So I'm like, I just need to sit somewhere with somebody so I have someone that won't punch me in the face. And so I remember seeing these two guys and I sat down with them and, you know, they're talking about stuff. And I just figured they're, they're full of crap half the time because most ninth grade guys are. And they're just talking about the girls and all the stuff and all those things. And I'm just kind of sitting there. I don't like them but I'm just kind of in that relationship and being nice because I'm like, I need somebody to sit with. And so I remember going through half the semester and the longer I went on, the more I realized that one of the kids I believe was actually a drug dealer. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> and so I wasn't sure, it just kind of seemed that way. There's a lot of transactions going on and it was either drugs or candy, but I didn't think anybody would pay that much for candy. Uh, so like it kept going on. And then finally this one 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 day, um, it was just... Literally, I'll I'll remember it to this day. Uh, One of the girls that I knew from middle school came up to the table, but she looked very different. Um, You could tell that she had been on a good amount of drugs, was was not living... a a very healthy life and she came up to the guy and was asking for drugs and this is the first time it happened at the table like that and they're going back and forth and she's like I don't have any money and he starts to say to her he goes well how about um and basically he starts saying well how many sexual favors can I get for this and I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, literally, it was, like, just disbelief. Like, is, this is happening in front of me right now. Like, this is, I'm in ninth grade. I'm a pastor's kid. Like, I, I haven't seen this stuff yet. And, like, there's this, this deal, this prostitution, basically, deal with drugs going down in front of me. And I'm thinking, this is no way this is happening. At the end, they figured out what was worth what. And they left, and they jumped the fence and went off. And I remember, I remember literally walking to my class and going, I, I, I just feeling sick, like just absolutely sick and going, I can't be around that anymore. And I never sat at that table again. And so things like that, when that kind of stuff happens, cutting off a relationship is easy because it's disgusting. It's just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like they've done something so awful. See, what we're talking about today though, it, it's just, it's different. We're talking about toxic relationships. And the problem with toxic relationships is most of the time when they start off, they're not that bad. There's like a little bit of things going on. There's some, there's some small things going on. There's, there's a little bit of stuff happening that you're like, this, this isn't good. This isn't right. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of this way. They're kind of that way. They're kind of trying to manipulate me. But what happens over time when you're in a toxic relationship, it becomes so bad that it affects you greatly. See, I, I need you to understand this. The people around you can be an incredible spiritual and emotional asset, but also the people around you can literally be, according to the Bible, a curse on your life. And I say this, and it sounds really harsh, but I want to be honest because I think it's toxic relationships that are the hardest to get rid of in our lives. Because most of the time in toxic relationships, we form this weird codependency there that happens where we're with them, and they're with us, and we've got to figure out a way to get rid of them. I mean, it's the toxic relationships. They're the ones that make us feel worse about ourselves every time we're around them. They're the ones um, that that just tend to be the most difficult, the ones that are just a little bit on the edge of making us do the things we've never wanted to do before. And and when I say toxic, the word toxic means this, anything containing poisonous material that can cause sickness or death. So it's any relationship that you have that's making you sick. It's making you feel like this, this isn't right. Emotionally, you feel wrong. Spiritually, you feel wrong every time you get together. And 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three says it this way, it says, don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. You know what's funny, that, that verse is basically what our parents have been tony, telling us our whole lives, but we're trying to get past it. You know, the, you know, if you hang out with bad people, you become bad people, you become like your friends. Here's what's funny, we still have to give this message to older people because they continue to hang out with bad people. And we know this, right? When we're around people that do something, we do it also. For example, if you're around people that curse a lot, you're gonna curse right? It just happens. Like, you can't help it. Like, you just start doing it more. I don't know why. I don't know because it rhymes with everything. It just, you just start doing it. For those of us that have played sports, I don't think it's possible to play a sport without cursing. Maybe it is. I can do it when I'm playing against church kids, and I'm not allowed to, but it's in my head. But I still remember high school basketball, I mean, especially middle school and high school basketball I played, cursing was a part of the game. It was constant. It was all the time. But then when I would be around my dad, it all stopped, right? You had the ability to do both. Like you're like, I'm cursing here, but I'm not going to curse over there. And for the longest time, I was able to separate both sides of it. And I still remember my senior year. um, It was was actually the senior game. I actually blocked this kid's shot, which was not normal. Um, I was the only white kid on the team. Like, it didn't happen a lot. Like, I got on the floor, and everybody's like, shooter. I'm like, how do you know? They're like, you're white. I'm like, okay. I blocked this kid's shot. It was clean. The ref called a foul. We get back to the free throw line. And I literally yelled. I don't know why I yelled this, but I yelled at the top of my lungs. I was like, you got to be effing kidding me. And my dad, who's a pastor, is up in the audience. All the parents look at him. My mom's like, do you, do you think they heard it? And the guy, like, two rows up is like, yep, we all heard it. And so my, my coach is actually like a deacon. Um, this is not a Christian school, but there's like all these people around me. I remember going, oh, no, this is awful. And then afterwards, I went up to my dad. He goes, what did you say? I didn't hear it. I'm like, yeah, right. And he's like, do you say that often? And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, because it came out very easily. Like it, like it kind of rhymed together. Like it worked. I was like, oh, no, dad. I, I, I love Jesus. <laughs> but it's true. But think about this. That's, that's cursing. And, I, and, you know, that's one we can all get along with. But, but think about all the different things that happen in the people around you. Like, if you're around people that are toxic, you become toxic. If you're around people that act a certain way, you become that way. And here's the problem. And according to the verse, bad company pollutes, first and foremost, our relationship with God. In 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 17, he gives us a word picture here that's kind of disgusting. It says, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly their teaching will spread like gangrene. Now, if you don't know what gangrene is, gangrene is is pretty disgusting. Basically, it will go to a part of the body, it cuts off blood flow, it turns black and just falls off. And there's two types of gangrene. There's dry gangrene and there's wet gangrene. Dry gangrene, it just turns black and falls off. Wet gangrene (laughs) has a lot of pus. And here's the thing about gangrene, it'll start on your fingers. But if you don't take care of it, it'll literally spread to your whole body and you can die from it. This is what a toxic relationship does. It slowly kills a part of you. Like it'll kill a part of your heart. It'll kill a part of your character. It'll kill a part of your relationship with God. And if we don't pay attention to it sooner or later, it takes over. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna start off tonight and give us three people, three types of people, three types of uh, people to watch out for. And here's the first one, the chronically negative yeah. yeah thank you i mean these are the people that are always judgmental right always gossiping always complaining you could go through the best thing ever and they're still complaining about it. they're the people that say but like it's like man wasn't that awesome and they're like but we had to go through and like shut up like they're just always complaining have you noticed something though when you're around somebody that's complaining what do you do you complain I mean, for me, when I'm around somebody that's incredibly negative, I'm like, I'm not going to be around that. My, you know what my problem is, my kryptonite? Being around somebody that's kind of negative, but in a sarcastic way. Like, I join in. Like, I think it's fun. And it starts off fun. Have you noticed, though, when you start off in that, like 30 minutes later, you're saying stuff, you're like, oh, that's awful. Why did I say that? But we do. We start to get more and more negative. I remember working with somebody that was so negative that I would do as best i could to give her as much work and as much things to do so that she wouldn't come in my office and that sounds awful but literally the moment she came in my office my heart would sink i was like oh man like uh, what because everything that's happened would be negative it would be well this just going on yes we had a great night but this happened and there was never any wins ever and it's a constant idea of being negative around them and so here's the deal when we have negative people in our lives we've gotta decide to get away from that. If not, we become negative. And it's tough because not only is it people in our lives that are around us that are negative, it's people on social media, right? I mean, my goodness, if you still have Facebook, which I don't know why you do, you're young. It's awful, it's an awful place to be. They say all kinds of awful things. I've just started, what's great on Facebook, you can mute people and old people don't know what that means, so I mute just about everybody. And I just see the happy stuff. Like people who post pictures of their dogs. Like that's all I want to (laughs) see. But here's the deal. If you're constantly around people that are negative all the time, you will become negative. And that's a toxic thing, right? Because that's not something that comes right off the bat, right? Because a lot of times when people are negative, you're like, yeah, that's negative. And then after a while, it slowly creeps in and it takes all of your joy, all of your joy. So we had the constantly negative. Here's the other one. This is... This is a tough one. It's the controller. This is the overly demanding, manipulative, abusive in the idea that they use fear or guilt or shame to get to you to do what they want you to do. And here's why this one's usually the toughest. It's usually somebody really close to you. This one's most likely a parent or somebody you've known your whole life. You guys know what I'm talking about right here. I know many of you, you're like, yep, I know exactly who you're talking to. It's the person that constantly makes you feel like you can't do life without them. And if you do act like you could do life without them, they passive aggressively shame you to come back. They, here's their entire deal. All they want to do is make you feel less than so that you have to have them in their life. This is the hardest one to deal with because these are the ones that tend to know you the best, know your triggers, know the buttons you can push, and you absolutely need somebody else in your life to show, hey, that's a problem. That's not normal. That's not healthy. And it's an incredibly tough thing to do is to move beyond those people. And here's the last one. This one always sounds funny because it sounds like, a, um, like if a Christian movie made a superhero movie, this would be the villain. Um, it's the tempter. Um, it's like some girl in a short skirt or some guy in swimsuit that's down here with the v muscles going on like i don't know i settle down um here's what i mean by the tempter we always go to the sexual side here's what the tempter does the tempter always brings you back to the things that you used to do that you don't want to do anymore not just not just sexual I mean, it's, it's everything. It's the people that are like, hey, come on back. This is fun. Hey, come on back to what you used to do. They're like, hey, come back to the party. Come back to the club. Come back to this situation. Come back to this relationship. You know you shouldn't do it, but they are always there. And here's what's crazy. They are always there when you're your weakest. Like, it's crazy how it happens. It's like they sense it, or they're just stalking you on Instagram. But they're always there when you're your weakest, it's always that time when you're sitting in bed and you're like, man, I just, I just, I just, I just want to have someone. And that's like the ex all of a sudden texts in. You're like, oh, there's someone. Right? It's, it's the moment that you're down and the wrong set of friends calls up and says, do you want to hang out? We're going out and doing something. I mean, here, here's the deal. All of us are trying to change something, Right? I mean, we we tend to try to get better. What the tempter does in our lives is it tries to constantly bring us back to where they are. And many times the reason they want to bring us back to where they are is because they don't like the fact that we're going ahead. And yes, a lot of this times this is an ex. A lot of times this is somebody that you've had a hard time quitting in your life. And here's what I want us to understand in this. When we talk about toxic people, because I'm going to talk about what we do with them, And it it can sound harsh, it can sound tough I want us to get this Here's the reason we deal with toxic people is because we prioritize our spiritual health We prioritize our spiritual health And here's what I mean by that If we want God to use us If we want to be the Christians that everybody wants to see If we want to be the people that absolutely care and love for other people around us We must care about our spiritual health It's literally the aircraft analogy. You know, when when the cabin loses pressure and the masks come down, what do they always tell you to do? Put your mask on first. Why? Because I can help other people without my mask on for as long as I can hold my breath. But if I put my mask on, I can help people constantly. Guys, that's the same thing. When you prioritize your spiritual health, you're purposely putting yourself in a position where you will have a constant flow from God because you're close to Him, so you can help as many people as possible. The problem is many times, that means setting up things in place or moving people away from you. And when I say away from you, the first thing we should always do is this. I I think we're so quick to cut people out. Let me say it this way. Let's set healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries. Depending where you are in your life is where you set the boundaries. Depending on what you just came out of, what you're going to do. I mean, it, it's, it's always interesting to me because I always have the person that, that just left the life and his friends want him to go back to the life and they're always like, well, Jesus hung out with everybody. Yes, he did, and he's Jesus. But <laughs> here's the other side, and I think we miss this so many times. Yes, Jesus hung out with everybody, but he also cl- chose his closest 12 friends, people that would help him. And then you see constantly in the Bible, Jesus going away to do what? To pray, right? To God. So what did Jesus do all the time? He spent tons of time in prayer. He spent a lot of time with guys closest to him so that he could be mature enough and strong enough to spend time with everybody else. Does that make sense? Look, if you don't have the 12 around you, or actually not even the 12, if you don't even have the three around you, That care about you, that love you, that are a good influence, you're not going to be able to handle the other. So there are times where we set up boundaries. We go, you know what, I'm not going to go there because I can't deal with that. And when people go, well, that's not the Christian thing to do. Yes, yes it is. Yes it is. I mean, here's what's interesting. Even in that moment, if you have those people close to you, here's what's so important. When you have those people close to you, you also want to make sure that they continue to do the right things and they can check you in it. I mean, Jesus, at one point, Peter told Jesus that he's not going to do something, and Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. Like, that's harsh. Like, you could have just said no. <laughs> right? Like, that was, that was harsh. Why? Because he wanted him to understand, look, this is what God wants to do. You're off course. Let's bring it back right now. I mean, we set boundaries. You, you, set, you, you say things like, look, here's the deal. I'm not going to be around if you act that way. I'm not gonna to go to these places. I still love you, I still wanna be your friend, but I'm not gonna do those things anymore. And I think we've gotten away so much from being honest and truthful with the people around us. I think we'd rather just cut it off or just go forward with it. I mean, here's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be sharing truth and love. If we're people that just share truth, it's abrasive. If we're people that just share love, which I think most of us tend to be in that way, it's wrong because we don't tell them the truth. We just tell them that we love them. If we share the truth in love, it allows them to grow at the same time. Here's the truth. If you don't share the truth, if you just share love, you care more about a person's presence than you do their heart. You care more that they're near you than you do care about them growing. So if you've got a problem with alcohol, you're like, I'm not gonna put myself in that position, and you tell them the truth. If you have a problem with feeling lonely and vulnerable, you block people in your phone. You're like, I, I can't deal with this right now. And that, that's incredibly hard to do because now, like you break up with somebody, you can't just like block them on your phone. You have to block them on every freaking social media site. And then you have to make your account private so they don't make another account so they can stalk you and DM you. It's just like, it's crazy. But you need people around you to help you in those things so you don't continue to go back to it. You So you set healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries. See, I'll, I'll say it this way and I'll just... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit some of you right now because many of you have this. A lot of you have fallbacks. Here's what I mean by that. You have the, the person that when you're lonely, they'll make out with you. No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> or you have the people that you'll go do something with when you feel you know, distant. You, you have the people that, that are there just in case. And the problem is every time you get to that point, you fall back. So you're never actually moving forward. See, if you don't put the boundaries in, then you're never going to actually move forward. It's not two steps forward, one steps back. It's two steps forward, three steps back every time. We can't have those fallbacks in our lives. So here, here's what I want us to get. We're going to set healthy boundaries. We're going to be honest with the people around us. And I've got to make sure we understand this before I go to the next point. If somebody who we've set boundaries with doesn't respond to it, and I'll be honest, many of you in here probably have never actually set boundaries. And so you'd rather go to this next point. If they don't hear the boundaries, if they don't respect the boundaries, then there are times where we just have to cut people off. That is not the first step. That is not what we just go to. But there are times in our lives where we have to cut people off because they are constantly Toxic. Now, what I'm not talking about here is just burning bridges. I don't n- know why, but some, some people, I, I see people in this mood all the time. They just get to a point where they're like, I'm just going to screw everyone. I'm, I'm cutting everything off. But we, um, we had a family member, Chrissy and I, who uh, was going a little bit crazy, which all families have that crazy person. Um, some families have multiples. Uh, <laughs> and she put on Instagram, basically, um, may the bridges I burn light the way. You know, that sounds crazy, but here's what I've also seen on Instagram. Man, I feel lighter today. I just lost a five foot 10, 180 pound man, <laughs> right? Or, or you're, you're subtweeting, everybody knows what you're talking about. It's like, yeah. Why is it when people have to cut off relationships, we have to post it on social media, yeah. Yeah. right? Okay, Here, here's the deal. We have honest conversations. We have honest conversations about cutting people off. We don't have to tell everybody. We can do it, and here's why. Here's why. The hope, the hope is one day we can have that relationship again. The hope is one day maybe it will be restored. I mean, the biggest example that Chrissy and I have, have found is, is in family. Um, it, it, it's amazing how everything just happens at once in family. Uh, Chrissy was going through the process of, of healing. Um, some of you guys know her story. Uh, she had some sexual abuse uh, in her past and finally had told us about five years into our marriage, and so she was trying to heal. At the same time, her family just blew up. Uh, So much so that many of the family were starting to look to her to be kind of the matriarch, because the women were going crazy, and so they were looking to her. So they were—it was becoming very needy, very codependent. And then on top of that, she had another individual in a family that was incredibly toxic. Uh, Constantly telling her that she was the source of all problems, constantly telling her that all of her brothers and sisters, uh, every problem they have was her fault and all these things. And so here's the deal she's trying to heal in the midst of that. So, what we had to do was this we set boundaries with the needy people. You had to set boundaries with the needy people and we cut off the toxic person. Not for life, for about three years. And then things came around. And here's why you can't heal. If toxic is in your life toxic people are constantly taking from you how are you supposed to gain back so there are times we must absolutely cut out the problem we must cut out that situation and you guys have heard me talk about this before but one of the big times where it's good to cut out is when you come out of a bad relationship boyfriend girlfriend I don't know why we have this idea that we have to stay friends if you're in a bad relationship or if you're just in a sexual relationship, the idea of staying friends is not possible. It's not. It, it's so funny at camp. I got, I got to actually speak at camp and um, I, uh, it, I, I've never, in my 13 years of student ministry, I, I talk about dating, I talk about relationships, I talk about breaking up all the time. I don't think one kid ever broke up. and I hated it. I spoke one time at camp, literally like a one minute segment. I'm like, hey, and some of you need to take that person out of your life and like kids broke up. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Till this 11th grade boy came up to me crying. He's like, my girlfriend just broke up with me. It was your message. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And she said that, you know, she's like, she wants to get closer to God. And for her to get closer to God, that means we, we can't be friends. She, and you're like, I, he goes, I just don't think that's a Christian thing to do. That's not very nice. And I'm like, so you think you can be just friends? He's like, yeah. I was like, so while you guys were hanging out, you wouldn't try to make a move? He's like, well, of course. I'm like, he's like, he literally went, what? (laughs) I'm like, I can't talk to an 11th grader. (laughs) But it's true, right? If you come out of a bad relationship, you can't heal from that relationship that person's still there. Because there's emotions, there's feelings. It's not wrong to cut them out for a period of time. Please hear me on that. You're not wrong for that. You're just deciding, I care more about my health right now. And truthfully, if you want them to heal too, it's the same way. We're not trying to cut everyone off here. We're not trying to cut people off that think different than us. We're not just trying to cut people off just because they annoy us. Like, that's not what it's about See, the church had done this for so long anyway, because back in the day, back when I I grew up in church, like early years, I was at church five days a week. The only friends you had were those at church. And everybody outside of that, it was just like, it's us against them. That's not at all what Jesus said. Like you come to church, you have your friends, but also you're in the world, you're in community, you're around people, you're telling people, hopefully, about Jesus. So our role as Christians is not just to cut everybody off, but it's just to be wise and shrewd in understanding what we can handle. There's a story in the Bible that really kind of explains this. And I want you guys to get this because, like we talked about this, toxicity, it starts off small, but then it takes over. It takes over. And sometimes it's just toxic, and sometimes it's just evil that happens in our lives. And there, there's a story in the Bible that talks about how this slowly happens, and it's the story of Abraham and Lot. So yeah, Abraham and Lot, they're, they're related. They both have large amounts of uh, sheep and people and all this stuff. Basically, they need a place to, um, for the sheep and all the cattle and all the herds, uh, basically to eat grass and all of that. And so because of that, they have such large, that basically Abraham said, okay, you can pick the area you want to go first. And Lot picked the greenest area, but it was also next to two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham took the Lot that was away from that. That wasn't as good, but it wasn't near Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you guys know Sodom and Gomorrah, it was an incredibly evil place. And here's what's interesting. In the beginning, Lot didn't live in Sodom and Gomorrah. He lived outside of it, because he was a man of God. But as years go on, what we see is not only was he no longer living outside the city, he wasn't on the edge of the city, he became a part of the city. And when I say that this city was so evil, is so evil that God wanted to destroy it. It had gotten so evil and so perverse that God was going to destroy it. And so here's what happens. God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy this city. Abraham pleads with God and says, hey, can you at least save Lot? So God sends two angels in to rescue Lot. Lot, and the moment they get there in Genesis 19, 6 to 8, you can see just how far Lot has gone. It says, Lot went outside to meet them, the angels, and shut the door behind them and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Basically what had happened is the angels that come in, this horde of men came up and they said, we want to have sex with these men. And it says, look, this is his response. Not, don't do this. I have two daughters who have never slept with a man it says they're virgins, which basically in that day meant they weren't married yet and basically probably about 12 or 13 years old. It says, let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they have come under the protection of my roof. How? How do you get to the place where you go, take my daughter's? And it, it's a slow progression. See, Lot lived on the outside of the city. Everything became more normal until he was living in the city. See, and they escape. Lot's wife dies. And here's what's interesting, and this is why this is so important. Toxic families produce toxic kids. Later on, Lot and the two daughters are up in the mountains. The daughters go, we don't have any sons. And so they get their dad drunk and sleep with them. And out of that comes the Moabite nation, which was an incredibly perverse, perverse nation. Now that seems extreme, but how many times have you seen a friend go off, like end up in a friend group, come back, and you're like, I don't know them. How many times have you been in a situation where you're just sitting there, you're going, how did I get here? The reason we say, how do I get here, is because it's not fast. Toxicity slowly builds up to the point where we don't even recognize ourselves. We don't recognize the situation that we're in. In toxic relationships, what they do over time, they pervert what is right and what is wrong and what reality is. Let me just speak to this. As Christians, many times we have this savior complex that if I don't save them, nobody will. It's not your job. That's not our job. God cares first and foremost about your heart. He's the one that can save so we're not looking to just cut people off. We're looking to identify those in our life that we need boundaries with. And if we have to, we do cut them off. But we do it in a way that relationship can be restored later. Because the entire point is for everyone to know Jesus. And So we do it in a way that's respectful and loving. I know for some of you, you're sitting here going, "How if I talk, cut out every toxic relationship right now, I won't have any friends. That's all right. We're starting small groups in August. And so you go to a small group, and you go, hey, anybody want to go out Friday night? And a couple people go out with you Friday night. There's your friends. It's that easy. You're like, oh, I'm not saying they're perfect. They're just friends. You just need some people there to talk to so you don't go back to the dumb ones. And we develop friendships, and we develop people around us so that the people around us are actually bringing us up, not pulling us back. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you're a God that uh, loves us so much, that you're a God that wants the best for us. God, I pray you help us uh, have incredible wisdom right now as uh, we figure out what we need to do in a lot of our relationships. God, I pray you give us the wisdom to set good boundaries. Um, And God, I pray that you give us the wisdom to cut off those that we need to cut off. But God, I pray that we do all of these things in a loving and caring way. God, please allow us to master speaking truth in love so that we can be honest and bring other people up as they bring us up. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.